Joshua Mazard. What is good, homie? How you doing? I'm doing well, man. How are you? Great, great. Doing well. Um, it's great to have you with me today. As I was just saying, you know, it's been it's been on my list for a long time to do a podcast together. I think we've communicated via social media for like four years now. So it's awesome to finally get a live conversation going. Yeah, this is great. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely, man. Yeah. So I'd love to get it kicked off for, I mean, you were just filling me in with stuff about your story that I didn't know before. So tell us about the journey from Illinois to Florida and your growing up, where you're from, just kind of the general overview of your life. Yeah. So um, I am from a small Midwestern suburb of Chicago, like an hour 15 outside the city. Uh, I was actually just there for a bit with my wife uh, we went my brother just got married and basically I got to show her how much corn there is because <laughs> we're driving down it's like if you uh, look to your right you'll see uh, corn and if you look to your left you'd see corn that's taller than the other corn you know it's <laughs> so we grew amazing. up there city but um, I grew up essentially in a nominally Catholic family so super passionate grandfather who just involved in ways that we had no idea just super holy but the kind of person that didn't tell other people what he was doing so i found out after his death that he had saved one of the churches there did this huge fundraiser because it was about wow. to go under and I was just he was really like a staunch grumpy german businessman <laughs> that's really how we well. knew um so anyways because of that you know i had the the sacraments of initiation I went to religious education. Uh, I went to a Catholic school for just kindergarten and preschool and then basically lived a secular life. You know, we went to church on kind of Christmas and Easter, uh, if that, usually just Christmas. And it wasn't until high school that uh, I'm more of like a stoic, intellectual, old soul kind of person. I believe that. And I just questioned everything. So uh, I think I realized in high school that I was searching for happiness in all of these different things, but nothing was very fulfilling. So uh, I played drums. I still play drums, but I had like the long hair and played drums in a metal band. <laughs> <laughs> I did like every sport you could think of. Uh, just all that kind of stuff. Praise the Lord. I didn't get into like you know, drinking and drugs and stuff like that, because uh, at that point in my life, it probably would have been bad considering I, I was, you know, looking for something to satisfy me. Uh, and I think the Lord utilized the fact that I love to think about everything and just started putting all these questions in my head. And I just basically junior year in high school, just couldn't stop thinking about Jesus. Wow. So go to some conference or anything. I just, you know, and I, I'm kind of, uh, tunnel vision sorry I cut up I uh, have kind of tunnel vision with a lot of things that I do you know just like that kind of focus when you're going to do something you want to do it very intentionally so uh, I just started asking all these questions I started going to the parish youth group I started all these things uh, and that really kind of put me on the path to everything that led to where I am now you know my conversion you know it wasn't some big conference but it basically was just intense and immediate uh through all that that's awesome man it reminds me you know that journey there reminds me so much of this podcast that was just released this past week with david calavita 
and he shared, you know, we kind of titled it based on the uh, quote from St. Augustine, where he says that the man who is lost in his passions is closer to God than the man who has lost his passion. And I think that, you know, your example of what you just kind of said there, of kind of the buildup to where like the Jesus question came into your mind is that you were like getting after it in all these different areas, right? Like you yeah. were probably, you know what I mean? Applying yourself and trying all these different sports and, and in a band. And like, you, like you said, whatever you did, you did intentionally, you tried to do full force. Right. And I think yeah. that when you have that kind of built up, you do naturally kind of go deeper when the faith questions come up, you search out those answers and you don't just like dabble in it. Cause you don't dabble in anything, right? Like if you're going to do something, you're going to do it. And so I think it's, it's so interesting. And it's such like a, philosophy of like seeking excellence you know just this idea of excellence and if you're going to do anything do it well and a lot of people just don't care to do anything well and so it's no surprise that their faith is trash because you know what I mean their spiritual life is trash because everything they do is mediocre you know what I mean or lukewarm or apathetic towards it you know what I mean yeah I I totally wasn't meant for that and this will apply directly to what we're going to talk about in the podcast but As a young person, I was definitely what you could call an adrenaline junkie. (laughs) Uh, So understandably, necessarily, how that transferred into my faith is that I have a huge closeness to the Holy Spirit and Our Lady. Because if you're an adrenaline junkie and you become super Catholic, that's where you're going to go. Because they're to the most intense exciting exhilarating like spiritual adrenaline kind of things and i'm not saying that you know i don't mean that in an emotional sense but intensity yeah absolutely no that's awesome man and i think it yeah it's just such an important thing for people to realize why that's so important to just kind of wake up and you see you know i have another podcast coming out soon or it might have been released by the time this is out but on just kind of like the anti-excellence, like the idea that, you know, we have these seven pillars of excellence and it's like, we, I talk a lot about what it looks like when you're thriving in all of those, but there's also the antithesis of that, that when you suck at one or like when you start to fail and like let one go, it kind of just all falls apart. You know what I mean? And so it is really interesting to see like, what's it like for people who are, uh, you know, super driven or, you know, adrenaline junkie, as you said, uh, or just, you know, want the most out of life. Um, that there is a place for you in the church and that it is the place actually where you're going to get the most out of life, which is really interesting. But question for you before we jump into the topic we want to talk about today is do you, this is something I struggle with or wrestle with all the time, is do you think that it's innate or do you think that it's developed this, this concept of, you know, obviously the adrenaline junkie is probably more of a personality thing that's a little bit more innate, but just the drive to, you know, want to be great or want to go all into things. What do you think? Do you think that was something you were kind of raised and trained with, or that's just kind of had within you always? I gravitate more towards it um, more naturally because I was raised in that kind of situation. You know, I just, I mentioned I was at my brother's wedding and hearing the people say things about him. uh, The same thing could have been said about anybody else in my family, kind of a little bit of and uh, if you're going to do something, you're going to be like hyper focused on it. And so I think I was blessed in that respect. Uh, right. But because they are, you know, elements of that are virtues, it can be acquired and ought to be acquired. You right. know, um, in the spiritual life, it's not just, oh, I have this virtue. I don't have that virtue. It's I have some level of all virtue and vice, and I need to work on all of those things to develop all the virtues. 
Yep. So absolutely. And you can acquire that and ought to, and have to yeah. <laughs> acquire the virtues. So, if, you know, like you said, Jesus summed it up pretty quickly when he talked about lukewarmness. Yeah. Uh, he doesn't like, <laughs> not a big fan. That means you, you have to you know, seek, ex- seek excellence in that because we don't want to uh, scrape by and just get through the pearly gates. You know, it's about having a real transformative relationship with Christ now. And that's essentially what makes you holy. You know, the effects of right. that real relationship. hundred percent. Yeah. And I think obviously, you know, if you, if you've ever done any studying of different cultures and things like that, like, you know, that, some cultures and societies are set up more to help people to do that. And some people, you know, some cultural societies are set up against people doing that. And so they don't, you know? Um, and I think that that's what I hope to see transform and change with our generation in the church is I think that we can inspire people by, you know, pursuing excellence in all these different ways um, that that will draw all types of people in. And they'll start to see, you know, the, the highest form of pursuing what we call the good, right. Or pursuing what we talked about, the fullness of life is your spiritual life is, you know, seeking after God, um, ultimately. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think a hundred percent, I definitely think some people are more naturally attuned, you know, to, to doing that, to getting after it. But, uh, I, I really get frustrated with people who just make the excuse of like, well, I'm not like you, or I'm not like that person. I can't. No. It's wild. You yeah. gotta try. <laughs> it's, it's pretty universally accepted that, uh, working hard is good. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> got out there that you know like you work a little bit and that's wonderful like you're an inspiration thank you for working (laughs) you have to do well (laughs) absolutely no 100 that's that's so real especially in the united states at least uh, for most people in the united states we do view hard work as a good thing yeah i think that being a workaholic is a virtue i'm saying that duty is a virtue Mm -hmm. and our duty is to work you know we were literally created to work right to work pray all of these different facets that make up the, the wholeness of our life yeah like i said nobody looks at somebody and says you try a little bit that's great <laughs> right yeah nobody applauds that that's for sure and so you've been you've been married what for like a year now yeah a little over a year my anniversary is very easy to remember because it is the solemnity of the assumption which means that we have that's to go right. to church <laughs> else reminds me if i become one of those people that for whatever reason forgets uh the priest will remind me at mass amen that's amazing that's so good man so yeah so you've been married over a year and how did you meet your wife um in a roundabout way through catholic match Uh, i think it was the lord's direct grace uh using the medium of catholic match Mm. because um say how do i how do i still give catholic match some credit i don't think they'd be upset if i said that jesus did it instead of really them hopefully (laughs) not (laughs) because neither my wife nor i were really actively using it it kind of was like i had a profile from forever ago and i decided that you know i should i should look at this i haven't looked at it in a while uh and she had just gotten on there and essentially i was the first profile she gave attention to uh, and it doesn't really make sense why my profile popped up to her in the first place, because she was living in Washington, D.C., and I live in Florida. So it just oh, kind of wow. popped up and she just felt something 
when she saw my profile and then I wasn't paying for an account. So I actually couldn't read the message that she sent me. <laughs> but interestingly enough, I saw hers and it was the exact same thing. I was like, I have to talk to this. I have to talk to this girl. Right. That's amazing, man. <laughs> yeah. So it was just, I mean, we knew basically immediately. And then uh, we did long distance for a while. I'd have to look at the calendar to find out exactly how long. Um, but we saw each other every two weeks. That's how intentional we were with it. Wow. Either I, DC, or she flew here every two weeks. Dang. Yeah. That's crazy. That's awesome, though. So, well, apparently, it seems like it worked out. So, <laughs> really, yeah. really glad you guys got a great return on that investment. Um, that's yeah. awesome to hear. And then other big accomplishments, I know you've, you've written extensively as well. So is, is writing a, a big passion of yours? Yeah. Um, it's really funny because growing up, this this will show you um, kind of what you were saying on the development of things versus naturally yeah. having abilities. My strong suits uh, in school as a, as a youth were math and science. Mm. You know, my reading, writing, all that stuff were you know, probably closer to average. Um, it really wasn't until my faith that I just started getting, um, I don't want to use the word obsessed, but just very, very, very interested uh, in reading things because I wanted to be spiritual writers. So that's what got me on it. It was, I fell in love with reading mystical theology. I fell in love with reading about the Holy Spirit. I fell in love with reading uh, all these books about Our Lady. Uh, and that kind of translated into then writing about it. You know, the way to become a good writer is to read. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I wrote a book last year. It came out. Yeah, well, it's been a year um, on the Holy Spirit. And because it's on the Holy Spirit, two full chapters are dedicated to Our Lady. Mm. Couldn't get just one. Uh, I've written a bunch of articles, actually, many of which also on Our Lady. Um, I wrote one on bodybuilding but it was like Catholic bodybuilding. That's um, awesome. And right now I do some side work with the Midwest Theological Forum uh, and I'm writing a, a textbook and a presenter's guide in addition to some editing. Uh, and that one is on, uh, the one that we're doing now is on First Holy Communion. Wow. That's baller, man. Congrats. I, I mean, what a Thanks. what a big year for, <laughs> for being such a, a terrible year for most of the world. You really made the most out of 2020, it sounds like. Yeah, I mean, Jesus saved us through the cross, so <laughs> Amen. that's that's usually when we're most blessed. His uh, difficulties. That's if you're right. not, I would. If you're a Catholic that's genuinely, intentionally pursuing your relationship with Christ, and you don't have suffering in your life, I would ask a few questions and maybe be a little concerned. <laughs> right? Yeah, it's probably <laughs> not a good indication. Uh, you know, as opposed to what Joel Osteen would say, you know, for, for the real Christian, <laughs> suffering is a better indication that you're on the right path than uh, big blessings. That's right. Yeah, I don't know if you, uh, I shared the Babylon Bee article or title recently <laughs> on Instagram that was like Joel Osteen flies his private jet over <laughs> Afghanistan telling them just to name it and claim it. Name it. Claim your blessing. I was bugging. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, so definitely, definitely not uh, team team Joel over here. And fully agree with you that you know the best blessings can come through those times of serious struggle and suffering. So that's beautiful to hear. So let's talk more about Mary. So that's that's what I wanted to talk with you about today. Um, you know, both of us I think have had substantial experiences with Mary in our lives and in our faith journey. But 
would love to hear you just kind of kick it off with like, what was it for you? Like when, when you were along that journey, you kind of talked about in high school, having the Jesus question, like, what was it that, uh, that kind of got you connected with Mary and drew you to her? Yeah. Okay. So I, I maybe our lady is helping me with this because I stopped the conversion story and then the perfect place. Uh, basically that intellectual pursuit led me to going to the church, uh, youth group, Bible study, all that stuff. Right. Uh, I, meet with their youth director who had a master's from Franciscan and just pick his brain. So within the first year, and this is really the first real study of my faith, you know, I'm junior going into like senior year of high school now and I'm asking big questions like, would the incarnation have happened if Adam and Eve didn't fall? Uh, what's mm. the deal with predestination? Because this part of scripture says this, um, you know, intense questions, right. not like, but, uh, at the end of probably a year into this, uh, I got hit with a little bit of the tribulation, the, the staleness and things like that. Uh, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, I just woke up one day and had some like minor illumination of the, like the state of my own soul, mm. like recognizing sins that, that I had yet to confront and kind of just ran off to confession. Uh, and then it was from that moment, like I mentioned everything I could remember. And then the priest started talking to me about another sin and I got out of the confessional and I was like, wait a minute, I didn't tell him that. <laughs> so like a priest read my wow. soul. How he did. Uh, and then the Lord kind of just reached right in and started my prayer life. You know, it went from believing that I needed to go to church and, you know, live that life that way to prayer. Uh, right. And with literally within a week of feeling like I needed to pray every day, all of a sudden I just started thinking about the rosary. I'd never prayed the rosary in my life. Nobody told me that I should pray the rosary. I didn't know how to pray the rosary. It was just there. Uh, so I'm like, all right. So I looked it up on the internet and I started praying the rosary by myself, uh, you know, in my parents' basement. Wow. <laughs> literally within a week of praying the rosary, somebody texted me and said, hey, have you heard about the Marian consecration? Do you want to do this with me? And I was like, what's that? So I went to the youth director, you know, he was my encyclopedia. Uh, and basically he told me the Marian consecration should only be done if you're going to actually do it. Like if you're going to intentionally, like this is not a frivolous, superfluous kind of thing. If you're going to do the Marian consecration, you have to really know what you're doing and give your life to our lady. Right. It's not, come bless me. He said, this is the thing that John Paul II attributed to changing his entire life. Wow. So little bit of research and decided instead of starting it that month, I was going to start it like a few weeks later. Uh, so I did. And I went into it with that, you know, this changed John Paul II's life. I'm going to look different when I'm done. Yeah. And it was that kind of thing. So I basically lived it. I had my first experiences of spiritual warfare wow. during in the preparation. And like, you know, the devil kind of shoots himself in the foot because by doing that spiritual attack while I was doing the Marian consecration to me, it was like, well, you're dumb. This is real. <laughs> right. You're, you're, yeah. you're back that this is the, this is a big deal. Like if you're trying to stop me, yeah. obviously I should keep. Um, so I still didn't have a full understanding. And by the time consecration day came around, uh, I was thinking that the 33 days of preparation was the big deal. And the consecration prayer itself was just signing my name. You know, like mm -hmm. the contracts. 
so I was misguided there, which was great because it was another thing where the Lord could use my ignorance to show me where the blessings are. Mm. Uh, I went to the church, prayed the rosary, confession, did all the things that I was supposed to. I realized that I left the book in the car. Mm. So I was like, oh, I go say the consecration prayer, but I forgot the book. So to finish my prayers, I went out to the car. I grabbed the, the book and I'm standing next to my car and I prayed the consecration prayer in the parking lot of St. Patrick's. Really, And as soon as I finished the prayer, I felt wind blow through my body. Uh, and I had the, the what people ex- describe the experience of resting in the spirit because wow. I had never heard, never heard of resting in the spirit. I didn't like fall on the ground or anything, but I had exactly that experience. Having never heard of it, physical, tangible wind blew through me. Uh, and I think that was the beginning of the Lord showing to me. Uh, the connection between Mary's mission and the mission of the Holy Spirit. Wow. I experienced Mary and the Holy Spirit at that moment. And my life was like instant different. No way. Yeah. This is, so this is all in high school. Um, at this point, it was a year after. So I had. Um, yeah, it was uh, the year after that kind of con- initial conversion. So I was just right out of high school. Gotcha. Like, year after that's awesome man yeah i think you had a few important things there but i think uh it's so interesting and great to hear you know obviously you probably had some holy spirit led and filled experiences in that year but what a beautiful story for people i think you know so so often people want to have that experience you know after they go to church for the first time you know like once people like have a little conversion they're trying to like fill out the faith and be like is this a lifestyle i want to live it's like everybody wants it to be immediate, right? Like it's the same way with the gym or anything else or a relationship. It's like, why can't I just fall in love right away? Why can't I just, you know, be in shape after a week? Why can't I, you know, feel like a saint, uh, you know, after mass on Sunday? And it's like, no, it takes some time. And like, there's a lot of dedication and commitment and letting go of things and so yeah. much growth that probably happened in your life over that year that got you to a place oh, where yeah. you could experience that. And the year was also filled with um, me falling off the horse falling off the way um a lot of not great feelings but it was after the lord gave me the conviction that this is the right thing (laughs) Uh, and there was a lot of the whole you know wrestling with the lord kind of stuff going on like Mm -hmm. what is what am i really supposed to do here that kind of stuff and and yeah you're right it was then after pouring myself into the Marian consecration the thing that i think is particularly inspirational for other people is the fact that I didn't need to go to some retreat. I didn't need some fancy preacher or ministry leader to come pray over me. Um, It was through the sacraments available through the church right there (laughs) and in prayer by myself. You know, I didn't have the vibrant prayer filled community at my local parish. And I'm sure a lot of people listening also have the similar experience. They have pretty exteriorly lukewarm parish ministries you know or at least they're not feel that might be at franciscan university at their their local parish unfortunately right so um the lord showed me that i didn't need it to happen that way it was me and him (laughs) and our late and the wisdom of the saints you know what i mean like all that stuff you know to be able to rely on that is so good the other thing i thought that was so important is you talked about the transition and i remember having this transition myself of 
going from being like, oh, I need to go to mass. I need to go to church every Sunday, which is important, no doubt about it, right? And it's a great thing and is an awesome yeah. phase and kind of first step. But then when you have that transition into like, wow, I need to have a prayer life, you know, it's almost, I think, very wrongly, obviously, but I feel like a lot of times in Catholic circles, that's viewed as like a, a Protestant thing, right? Like, I think Protestants, a lot of times will, because they lead with this like personal relationship with your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ type of mentality, they miss out on the sacramentality, right? They miss out on the church, they miss out on the goodness of tradition um, and the fullness of the faith. But I do think that a lot of times Catholics, especially people who are raised kind of cradle Catholic, when they start coming back or they're interested in coming back or even just their first experience with the church, we almost like neglect that personal side of it, right? And actually developing that relationship. And I think another way that Protestants kind of like take a wrong approach to that is they view the personal relationship for the sake of, um, I, I, don't, I don't know, I feel like the, just the approach is kind of misguided in that it seems like a personal relationship. So what we kind of talked about earlier sometimes is the Joel Osteen stuff is just so that it can bless you, right? It's just like immediate blessings in having this personal relationship with Jesus and you're asking him for things and that, that can be good, right? We're meant to make requests, our requests known to God through prayer, no doubt about it. But I think the main thing that, that the classroom of silence as Matthew Kelly calls it, or just, um, you know, having that time in prayer is that that's where God can really form you and mold you. And that's painful, right? Like Hebrews 12 talks about that. Like, it is only the one, the child who's loved that gets disciplined by God. And it's through those conversations and those times with scripture and Lexio Divina and praying the rosary and spending that time in mental prayer where God can really discipline you and form you. And it's very yeah. unpleasant, but it does lead to these experiences and having your life change. Yeah. And you need the personal relationship to receive all the other blessings. You, you know, obviously mass is the most important thing you can do. But I remember when I was at Franciscan, Dr. Bergsma was talking about how, you know, we know that the Eucharist offers us infinite grace. There is infinite potential when we approach Jesus in Holy Communion because it's him. He's infinite. Uh, the only thing limiting what we receive is us. So right. that personal, you know, how much faith you're able to develop, how much trust and openness, that's a big thing is, you know, the disposition that we have toward receiving grace, uh, that depends on our relationship with Christ. So that is kind of the factor that determines how much grace we're able to receive when we go up there. He's like, so you got the people that are, you know, cradle Catholics just kind of doing it because they come every week. They should come up with their hands to receive this little cup full of grace that they got. And then yeah. you got the person, you know, the new convert that's all zealous and they, they really want to receive more and they, they trust the Lord's going to bless them. You know, they're showing up with like a big bucket. Yeah. Then you got the uh, somebody that has a little more seasoned, developed prayer life. You know, they're like backing up a bathtub <laughs> to get <laughs> filled. Like, but then you got these like eighty-year-old ladies that show up forty-five minutes before mass to pray the rosary. They're like going up to receive communion, like backing up a dump truck to get filled with grace. Oh, hell yeah! So you know, the personal relationship is so important, but it's directed in that end. So yeah, we we need both. <laughs> Right. Yeah. That balance is so huge. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think, you know, you talked about developing that personal relationship with, uh, with Mary as well. And so let's talk a little bit more. I want to ask you the question, you know, I'm sure you've answered this many times in your life. I know I have, of uh, for the Protestants out there, or even Catholics who just don't know how to answer this question. What do you say when presented with the, you know, the classic, why do Catholics worship Mary? Why, like, 
why Mary and not just Jesus? Like, why are you talking about praying the rosary? Jesus is enough for you. You know, you just talked about infinite grace in the Eucharist. So like, what, why even, why, why do we even need Mary? So I always answer that honestly, pretty sarcastically. Naturally. <laughs> because, because they're like, why? He's like, you're Catholic. Why do you worship Mary? I go, what are you talking about? I don't worship Mary. I only worship statues of Mary. <laughs> because the other thing is you know Catholics worship statues i'm like you know how crazy that sounds you really like i don't think that this um this marble statue is gonna open up the floodgates of grace to me right uh, no weird. i really immediately go in the direction um they love scripture protestants love scripture because it's all they have they, they don't have any other revelation because Scripture is the transmission of the word of God to them. You know, they kind of nix tradition. Um, so it's personal relationship in scripture. So I basically just point them in the direction of there's, they're not, it, typology isn't too foreign to them. So the easiest place for me to start uh, rather than, you know, the woman in Genesis, woman described in Genesis 3.15 mm-hmm. compared to the, the woman of Revelation 12.1, you know, that, that's a pretty clear connection. But usually I go straight to the Davidic kingdom. You know, Angel Gabriel shows up, says um, that Jesus, Mary's son, is going to be, you know, called son of the most high. He's going to sit upon the throne of David, his father forever. Uh, There's all these parallels. And I I draw out some of the parallels. You know, Jesus didn't come to say, I'm going to sit on, you know, Sinai. It's Jerusalem. There's a heavenly Jerusalem in Revelation. We're not going to have New Eden even though the temple imagery uh, shows that we're kind of an ele- a return to an elevated Eden. Um, we're not going to Canaan. We're not going to all, you know, we're not going back to Egypt. Um, we're, we're going to a heavenly Jerusalem. So, you know, all these connections, Jesus picks 12 apostles following the Davidic court of 12 officers. Jesus gives the primacy to one of those, you know, Peter, which we, no, as the Pope, uh, in the Davidic kingdom, there was a prime minister. Mm-hmm. Uh, one big thing is that in the Davidic kingdom, the queen mother had a very important role. You know, we know the crazy stories of David and Solomon having hundreds of wives and concubines. Mm-hmm. So there could have been arguments over who had dynastic succession, uh, meaning who is the rightful king. So in the Davidic kingdom, the queen is not the wife. They have so many wives, you know, they're going to fight over it. The queen was the mother of the current king, which established lineage. So for example, Solomon's queen was Bathsheba, who was his mother. Bathsheba was the wife of David. It shows that Solomon is the heir and the rightful king. Right. So right away we see that, you know, Jesus is setting himself up to be the eternal King David. Mm-hmm the everlasting king that sits on the throne of David. So if Jesus is fulfilling that covenant forever, uh, it makes sense that his queen, the queen mother uh, in Hebrew is called the Gebira, which means great lady would be his mom. Mm -hmm. Which also makes sense because his father is God, the father. So he's the king, the eternal king. So his mom is the queen. And in the Davidic kingdom the queen had certain responsibilities. Her responsibility was to sit at the right hand. Uh, When she would walk into the room, the king would bow to her. Everyone else would bow to the king, but he would bow to her. Right. And then 
job was literally to pray, to intercede for people. So they would bring their stuff to her and be like, hey, can you go ask your yep. son for, th-? and that was her job. I'm like, so it only makes sense that Jesus would give the same job to his mom, you know, and there's the easy arguments of, you know, Jesus would have honored the commandments better than anyone else honoring your mother and father. He's, or she's his mother. Right. <laughs> Not that we worship. Well, English gets complicated. We venerate Mary. I'll avoid using the word worship because Catholics really, we have veneration and adoration are the two. Adoration, mm-hmm. just Jesus. Veneration, Mary in her own separate category, then Joseph and the rest of the saints. So she's there to help. <laughs> it's not <laughs> a word. Not, I'm not going to slaughter a calf and leave it on an altar to Mary, you know? <laughs> yeah. Have you slaughtered a lot mom. of calves recently? <laughs> that's so funny. Maybe in Illinois you have. So I guess it's possible. But no, yeah, I think that's. Some of the Old Testament sounded pretty cool. Um, the Todas. <laughs> kill an animal and then they'd have to eat the whole thing i mean i've been to pig roasts and stuff that's pretty cool i could do one of those right yeah it's definitely not a bad time i'm sure you can get your eat on too my man uh that's awesome uh so yeah dude that's dope so thank you for breaking all that down you know i think that's such a good approach to it i also think it's so interesting like you said the, the love of scripture when you think about the just the hail mary like just the formation of the hail mary you know, just the whole first half is just straight out of scripture. You know what I mean? Like you're literally just repeating. Yeah, to show Protestants each verse that it's from. Yeah, you could just show it. And then it's just, you know, Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners. Uh, you know, just requesting for her prayers, similar to the way that we ask each other. You know, I ask you to pray for me and vice versa. Um, yeah. You know, asking for that intercession. Protestants. What's that? Jesus. You could be snarky with Protestants with that one, too. They're like, you you worship Mary, I'll pray for you. And you'd be like, there's one true mediator, don't pray for me. <laughs> That's, I love, I, yeah, you have all the uh, the sarcastic. <laughs> Obviously, sarcastic with people that you have a relationship with. Sure. That's, that's a great clarifier right there. That's good advice. Amen to that. Yeah, no, that's awesome, man. But yeah, I think it's so it's so important and just so common sense, I think, to, to think about that. And I think another another really interesting tidbit, I think, is, you know, I've, I've heard many people say before, I, I think even Father Casey and I kind of got on this topic a little bit together, Father Casey Jones, um, but talking about how like Martin Luther, even like early on, like like still after his 95 thesis, like continued to pray the rosary, right? Continue oh. to believe the true presence of the Eucharist, like so many like Catholic things that now when you go into non-denominational evangelical churches today, are just like so foreign and like not even considered, not even thought of. Right. And it's like, you, you just wonder about the lineage and, and tracing back, like, where do you, like the, the opinion of Mary, when you go through the States, you know, in church history, like drastically changed just several hundred years ago. Like it was not this way in the early Christians, like they, you know, honored and respected and venerated Mary extensively. Right. And yeah. so it's crazy to think about how like, they're just like, Oh, just recently it's like, no, she doesn't matter. She seems really unimportant. And it's like, I, I just don't understand the logic behind that, you know? Yeah. I mean, they kind of needed to get rid of all of the structure things. Cause you know, most of the Protestant organizations, churches, whatever denominations um, don't have the kind of the hierarchical structure. Right. You know, that's, Mary's importance really is you know she's she's the queen mother so it's part of that 
organization. So they've uh, unfortunately yeah. really downplayed the entire communion of saints thing. Yeah. You know, reality of the whole church. Yeah, that's so real. Uh, yeah, I, I never thought about it that way, but that's such a good point. And I think we miss out. Uh, you know, I, I always encourage people because my own journey and my experience with Mary was like when I was a Protestant kid in Catholic schools, I remember, you know, we would do like the secret Santa or like the, I forget what it's called. I think it was like the secret Santa shop. And we'd be able to like, you know, you'd have 10 bucks and you'd be able to buy like Christmas oh, yeah. gifts for your family. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it was awesome. But I remember bringing home for my mom multiple years, uh, you know, when I was six through like 11 of bringing her home, like Mary and stuff. Like I remember we had this little like glass statue of Mary that I bought and uh, nice. like changed different colors and things like it was this whole like you know little goofy like kid things but um I just I loved it and I would always buy you know stuff for for my mom that was married and I didn't you know never thought of it like she was Lutheran uh at the time she became Catholic later on as well but uh it was just so funny thinking back to like that was like such a draw for me and like in my in my journey and I, I kind of really dove deep into this when I read Followed by God by uh John Eldridge He's also the author of Wild at Heart, um, who, who's Protestant. But in Fathered by God, he talks a lot about the way that like our father wounds and our struggle with our relationship with our earthly fathers can have a negative impact on our relationship with our heavenly father. And so like as I was like kind of thinking about that and praying with that and realizing like uh, my image of God, the father was so distorted because of my relationship with my earthly father. I was like it, it then finally clicked for me. It made so much sense why Mary was such a big role in my life, because my mom has always been the constant, you know, source of love and compassion and encouragement. And so every time that like when I was going through my serious stages of constantly falling, getting back up, needing to go back to confession, struggling up and down with my prayer life, with chastity, with judging other people, with everything. Right. Like just like deep in sin and like trying to break out of these chains. It was, you know, always Mary who made it so much easier to kind of go back to confession. That was like the first person yeah. I would go back to and be like, do you think I could do this again? And she'd be like, yes, you tell me like, she would never say that, but she was like, yes, man, like come back to confession, like come back to mass. Like you can, yeah. you know, you're welcome here. Like God wants you back. Yeah. That was always my experience too. You know, you read the old Testament and you can, you, we see some examples of the wrath of God and you know, how God responds to sin. And mm-hmm. of course, it's all kind of flipped on its head with the, the passion. Like we see that he really does just want to free us from sin but i think it's easier to to see the anger of god as a real thing uh yeah if we're interpreting that properly or not i'm just saying from a human perspective uh it's easier to think oh god's gonna be mad at me he's not gonna be mad at you but we think that uh for me it was always i could think even though i was wrong every time you know god's probably mad at me for this but i could never even conceive of the thought that Mary would be mad at me. She's right. just like, I love you. Come She's like, let me give you like, wow. And you hear those stories too, of like Mary interceding, you know, I'm not going to get into the whole story, but there was a story of a priest that was either shown in a vision or was supposed to die and was shown his judgment and that he wasn't going to make it. And then our lady steps in and goes, no, send him back and give him more grace so that he can make it. Wow. So it's That's like wild. that all. Like, no, 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 even the the first miracle at the wedding of Cana, Jesus. Yep. Is, I was just about to bring that up. They, 
complicated things about his time. My time has not yet come. I'm talking about the crucifixion, you know, how John writes this, but even just in seeing Mary's responses immediately, just we'll, we'll do this for them <laughs> all the time. She's just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. This, this is the situation. Um, give them this grace. Right. All the time. She's just like, you know, the Lord's got some tall orders for us sometimes. And, you know, he's calling you to a great vocation and our lady's just like, I'm going to give you some help. It's like when your mom sends you out the door with like, or, or and maybe it's easier to think of grandma. You go to grandma's house and she hears some money, put it in your pocket. <laughs> our lady's right. like, or grace. Absolutely. The wedding of Cana is such a great example of that, you know, and just, I, I just think that, you know, when we talk about the scripture, then you talk about, you know, I think, I just wonder, I don't think Protestants probably ever look into like the Marian apparitions and how, how many times that's happened over history. And I think that they really, I think people greatly, and even Catholics, sometimes we don't give enough credit or like research or respect to those, because I think we can wrongly assume that like the church is just like, you or I go, go to our local bishop and we're like, Mary appeared to me. And they're just be like, okay, you know, <laughs> just take everybody at their word. It's like, Dude, you know how scrupulous and like detailed yeah. and like how much they immediately just doubt and don't believe anytime somebody says that Jesus or Mary appeared. You know what I mean? It's okay. not this okay. <laughs> right. They, they like I think people wrongly assume that there's like no process for it. That it's just kind of like okay, sure, you know. And it's like well, dude, the they like really confirm those things. <laughs> you but, but the fruits are absolutely nuts. Even just look at Guadalupe. Uh, shortly after the Protestant reform led to i think it was six or seven million people leaving the church mm. i gotta look at the exact number but it was it was millions of people left the church uh, shortly after our lady appears looking like a small aztec woman and you get eight million more catholics in mexico yeah. with within a short amount of time so like the fruits are crazy and also the context of her doing it there is because they just had mandatory human sacrifice like right. 40 years hand i think they sacrificed eighty thousand people so then our lady responds with getting eight million catholics <laughs> dang so i mean those are just fruits that you can't really <laughs> turn your head from right yeah yeah and the, yeah the results are just crazy and so yeah it is it is so interesting and i just want to encourage the catholics out there especially and i'm even talking to myself you know like i've ebbed and flowed in my commitment and consistency and praying the rosary wildly over the years right but i think you know it's just something that and, and father mike schmitz talks about this a lot that e even if you don't make it you, you we ought to strive to make it a daily part of our lives for sure but for those who who haven't prayed rosary in years or maybe never never learned how to pray it um it's just something that is just like one of the basics and one of the fundamentals right and you see that in all of the catholic saints like mm -hmm. since the creation of the rosary, like there's almost none. I always say there's never, there's no such thing as a saint without prayer, but there's very, very rarely a saint that doesn't have a devotion to Our Lady. It doesn't have the rosary as a. I don't know of any. Right. That doesn't have that. Uh, and, and it's like, you know, a, a great question that I pose to myself sometimes is like, why are you trying to be the first? You know, if you're going to try to be a saint and there's this clear blueprint, right? They went to mass regularly. They went to confession regularly. Like they prayed the rosary every day. Like, why are you trying to do something different? You know, mm -hmm. like the, the path and the, the way to heaven already exists. And it is super Protestant of us. I think when we do try to create, get creative in our, our, our route to heaven, you know, it's yeah. like, we don't like, it's already established. Like it's already, there. 
like the formula, the recipe is mastered. The family oh, yeah. has mastered the recipe. We do not need to mix it up or, you know, get creative with this thing. Yeah. And I always use the, the same example or analogy that St. John of the Cross uses. Uh, his book, everybody knows Dark Knight of the Soul. Dark Knight yeah. of the Soul is part four of the ascent of Mount Carmel, which is mm. essentially about you know, God's at the top of a mountain. The beatific vision is the peak. Uh, and we're all, as we approach God, going up this same mountain. Now, necessarily, there are the same levels for every single person, uh, but that doesn't mean your path is the same. So maybe it's got a really steep gradient. Maybe it's not very steep. Maybe it's smooth. Maybe it's rocky, whatever. You know, all our vocations are different. Um, but choosing to pray the rosary or not is like choosing to climb straight up or taking a ski lift, <laughs> you know, Absolutely. the ski lift. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's so interesting, you know, and we have so many struggles and, and I, like I, I often remind myself and other people is that life's hard enough, you know, like you have enough to try to figure out <laughs> and trying to figure out how to be a good husband and wife is hard. Trying to figure out how to be a good father and mother is difficult. Trying to figure out how to excel in your job, trying to figure out your, your body, you know, physical health, your mental health, your financial situation in the future. That's all difficult enough. But like, just take the blueprints of the stuff that works, you know, like, like be grateful for the wisdom of the past and the church has 2000 years and even thousands more, you know what I mean? Um, if you dig even deeper back, uh, but of wisdom and of ways that people have grown close to God. And so it's like, why, why try to change it? Why do we try to fight against it? And it's nothing but yeah. the devil kind of getting into our minds and manipulating us to think that we can come up with a new or fancier, a better way to grow close to God and to live a fulfilled life. Yeah. And I'm not that smart. <laughs> I'm not going <laughs> to. Yeah, it takes a great, I think it takes a, at least a decent bit of humility. And I'm sure that you and I both have been cockier at certain times in our life oh, than yeah. probably the average, the average human being. But it is, you know, there is just like a little bit of humility in there to be like, yeah, I'm not smart enough to figure this out on my own. And like, one, I need God's help. But two, I also need the church's help, you know, that God has given me as a resource, you know, as a guidepost, as a lighthouse uh to to kind of get me there as a ship really to to transport me from this life into eternity forever with him in the next you know so dude it's baller so man i appreciate it i'm so grateful so talk to us about where we can where people can find your book so you can learn more about the holy spirit and mary oh yeah my book uh knowing the unknown god you can find it on amazon it's called knowing the unknown god practical guide to how the holy spirit will make you holy which ultimately climaxes like the climax of the book is mary's relationship to the holy spirit mm. do you want to be close to the holy spirit get close to mary you want to get close to mary get close to the holy spirit um and i guess the one thing that you and i should tell everybody that listens is pick up your rosary <laughs> pray your rosary go listen to father don calloway's talks on the rosary he talks about it as that spiritual sword yeah. you know you see the religious walking around with their habits and they got the rosary hanging on the on their left side I did yeah. this week so, uh, because the left side is where a knight would put his sword and sheath. You can take out the weapon. Right. So that's awesome. Definitely, definitely started to pray the rosary. Highly, highly encourage that. And uh, yeah, just watch the ways that it transforms your life. Just the same way that I give people a 30 day challenge, you know, with anything or, you know, to try to transform your life. If you're going to start working out. Uh, whether it's to start budgeting, whether it's to start, you know, going to mass, go to confession and praying every day. 
like I highly encourage people who are out there who are kind of questioning or doubting 30 days in the grand scheme of your life and 15 to 20 minutes a day is very, very, you know, minuscule. It's a minor sacrifice to make, but give it yeah. a shot and see if it changes your life. And if you struggle so much with it that you can't pay attention or like keep yourself on track, um, these are little cheat sheets, I guess, you know, maybe don't do this all the time because you want to do it on your own. Um, on Spotify, you can find so many different guided rosaries and they'll yeah. tell you how long they are. You can pick, right. do you have a little bit? You want to spend some more time in meditation? Oh, there's a 25 minute rosary or there's a 20 minute. You don't have a lot of time. There's some on there that'll get you through the rosary in 15 minutes. Right. I don't recommend eating it up a bunch because the focus or the point of the rosary is to meditate. Right. And you can lose and that. It'll keep you on track. <laughs> if you right. need that to. Amen. Sure. And even better than Spotify is the greatest Catholic app in the world. <laughs> which is hallow the catholic prayer meditation oh, yeah. so, hallow's got tons of rosaries on there as well if you haven't tried hallow's chant rosary or scriptural rosary i highly recommend that led by jonathan Rumi. super dope where he reads a part of scripture oh, okay. that is correlated to each mystery uh before each hail mary it's baller definitely more of a time commitment but hallow similarly has the different lengths of of rosaries and things like that i know emily uses it every day Three decades on her way into work and two on her way home and she wraps up and she finishes a rosary um, that way. And she loves it. And it is a great way. I especially like to use how if I'm traveling or, you know, driving and things like that, because if I'm by myself and driving, it just helps me to stay on track because that's where I get the most distracted <laughs> and lost. But it's yeah. great, man. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Joshua. It's been awesome talking with you. Uh, prayers up for you and your wife as you uh, continue into year two of married life. Super, super pumped for you, man. And just uh, honored to know you and just to be at least internet friends until, until we move to Florida. Right. <laughs> oh yeah. Get down. Here, yeah. I love Free, the, uh, freedom so good. You can taste it. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> well, it's definitely it's on the radar with you and father Casey Jones down there. It's definitely, definitely on the radar. So we will keep yeah. that in mind, but thanks, man. Yeah. I really appreciate it. And uh, we look forward to doing one again with you in the future. Yeah. All right. But we got to end this the right way. So uh, we talk about our lady and we talk about how we have to pray. We have to end this with the Hail Mary. That's a good idea. All right. <laughs> Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. Jesus. Holy, Holy Mary, Mary, mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Name of the Father and the Son, the Holy Spirit, Amen. There we let's, go. Let's go. I appreciate it, man. I uh, everyone listening out there, definitely pick up your rosary, pray your rosary today, um, and just trust and believe in the impacts and transformation that will come from a dope relationship with Mary and the Holy Spirit. So, thanks again, <laughs> Joshua. You're the man. God bless, man.